1: You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast.
0: Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs culture to stay on track with news and updates.
1: Episode 74 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Justin Schwartz and I'm alongside my friend Liam Baum. There hasn't been much that's happened in the NHL uh, this past week since the last time we spoke, unfortunately. The Habs have only played one game. They were on the road in Washington. They actually took that game by a wide margin. And if I recall correctly, Liam, you and I both had the Habs losing that game to Washington right after the break, or am I mistaken here?
0: For some reason, I think I said they would have won. I don't know. I can't remember.
1: Well, look, maybe you said they won. I know I definitely said that they were going to take an L. So it was nice to see them score five goals in that game. Two quick goals from Nick Suzuki in the first period, followed by another first period goal from Pazeta. And then all of a sudden, in the third period, early in the third, Uri Slavkovsky, on a pass from Jake Evans, a little toe-drag release action, top right, So everyone's going crazy, right? Because that's Slavkovsky's probably one of his nicer goals of his career to date, right? Through his 89 games in his career. And then fast forward maybe a few minutes into, into the third period and just on a nice, finally, a pass from Matheson over to Slavkovsky on that right side, who absolutely wires it past Darcy Kemper, past his glove to take a commanding lead in the third period, take home the victory for the Montreal Canadiens, but the thing I want to focus on here, Liam, is not the fact that the Canadians won, but it's the fact that this 19-year-old's growth through 89 games in his career has been so substantial to the point where we're now talking about a guy who has 22 points in 50 games this season. Weren't we talking about this a few weeks ago and talking about the fact that if he gets to half a point per game for the rest of the season, that would be that would be an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, that would be that, a success. That was
0: the goal. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you guys saw the post, on TikTok and on Insta at HabsCulture. You saw that Slav has had 13 points in the last 20 games. And I actually kind of messed it up because he has more points in less games. I think he had 13 and 19, actually. So um, adding two more. First ever two-goal game for him. And finally, a goal that's like actually nice. like It's like in NHL, when you get the achievement, you finally unlock the toe drag release. So <laughs> it was really nice to see. I Honestly... Like, very, very nice to see Matheson also pass it over to him and finally hit the net or even just get the shot off, really. There's been so many times where he's whiffed, but he finally got the shot off and absolutely amazing goal. And then, obviously, Twitter starts blowing up. Oh, Slav is going to be scary. Yeah, well, we've been saying that. We've been saying that. And Liam, I don't know about
1: you, but I think we can both agree that us saying that Slav was going to be good was not from a biased perspective. It wasn't a biased take. I think we really truthfully believe that a 19-year-old who's 6'4", 230 pounds, who has a and type build, who has an incredible work ethic, and we'll get to that soon, who's willing to put in the work, and if you pair him with a couple good players in Caulfield and Suzuki, you're going to see some production. And like you mentioned sure. in our, in our post that we made on Instagram and TikTok, he's been putting up points. And he's almost at a half point per game on the season. And let's not forget, he had two or three points within the first 20 games of the season. So he's really, really picked it up. 32 games left. Let's hope that he can continue on that pace. But the one thing I want to ask you, Liam, here, right off the top, he's at, he sits at nine goals on the season in 50 games. I'm going to give you an over-under here. Oh, here we go. Does your Islav go over or under 17 goals on the season?
0: how many games we have left 30 30, 32 32 uh, games and he'd need 10 goals less less Mm -mm. than 10 goals eight goals
1: he would need he would need eight goals to hit 17
0: okay i like it you like it yeah Uh, give me a (laughs) give me a push i'll push here he's getting fair enough he's (laughs) he's getting getting 17, 17 on the dot 17 on the dot we'll say that i like that
1: look but to put it in perspective though if we're looking at a second-year guy, a 19-year-old, and I know I've emphasized that a couple times already today, but it's the truth. If we see Uri Slavkovsky get to 15 goals, and I think that's being relatively moderate, I mean, I think that's a win,
0: right? 15 goals in your building. For sure. Plan? Maybe next I mean, year you're looking at 20, 25, whatever it may be, right? So if you're, if you're looking back, we've compared this so many times. You're looking back at Jack Hughes' first two seasons, 20 points in his first 80 games, and then the season after that, like 30. 40 maybe, and then all of a sudden he blows up and he was showing promise. I think Slath is developing quicker than Jack Hughes. Maybe Slath is probably not reaching the potential Jack Hughes and, and the skill and talent he has, but he's developing much quicker. And, and there were a lot of comments all over Twitter from all these different analysts saying they've never seen a guy who's shown so much development between his first and second year. So that's so promising for the Canadians. And it was bound to happen. He's still 19 years old. We say this every episode. It's a it's a game of patience at the end of the day, and you see him in all these videos in the last two days. The guy's ripping pucks like no tomorrow around the net, finding different spots on the ice to you know perfect his shot on the ice late with Gouli, or staying after practice, not getting on the ice late. But you know he's putting in the work. He's putting in the work, and it's gonna come. And finally, we're seeing the glimpses of it. So it's very exciting.
1: The last thing I'll say on this topic and kind of what you were alluding to there with the progression is that I was talking about this with a friend and the truth of the matter is, is that the players that you see progress from season to that, that that you see progress from season to season are the ones, and and especially in their young careers are the ones that you're going to see have the most promising careers, because if you see that they're willing to put in the work and actually get to a different level in their game year over year over year, I think. That shows the most, I don't I don't know what the word would be, but it, I think it shows the most uh in, it's the most encouraging sign, put it that yeah. way. So he's dedicated. Look, he's very dedicated. And and look, if you want to look at guys that didn't put in the work, whether it was Nail Yakupov, for example, like you saw their careers kind of you saw his career crumble before our very own eyes, right? And even a guy like Capo Kako, I hate to say it, and I know I I know I mentioned that it, he would maybe be a good trade target for the Canadians. And that was because he's a he's very much a buy low. But the truth of the matter is, since his 18-year-old season, he hasn't really progressed as a hockey player. I don't even mean from a point perspective, but as a hockey player, he hasn't taken his game to that next level since being that second overall pick. So you kind of see these trends early. And I think that's nice. It's encouraging to see from Slavkovsky in his 19-year-old season that he's taken a significant jump from the first 39 games in his career.
0: And again, I mean, maybe Kako's not in the best position because he was... On a good team with a strong top six, he's never gotten the the chance to play those big minutes. But thankfully, that's not the case with Slavkovsky, and management hasn't messed up this year. They put him on the first line, and he's been on the first line for a while. So again, it's very encouraging to see that he's progressing in the right way and progressing, playing with the right players at the same time. He's not just a dead weight on the first line. He's actually a big part of the team and a big part of the power play right now.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and it's very encouraging. It's fun to watch because in a season where it seems completely lost, there's always there's always a few positives, and I think the the biggest positive right now is that first line and uh, that power play unit. And speaking of, you know, Suzuki probably on pay is on pace for seventy plus points. Caulfield's picking up his goal pay uh, his goal pace. Matheson's having a really good season for a defenseman. So. You know, things are looking up despite the injuries and despite the lost season.
0: You know what someone uh, pointed out quickly just to jump in? Yeah, go ahead. Um, that post that we posted the other day with the players going into the second half, every single one of them on that post got a point in the game. Someone pointed that out in the comments. Obviously, other well, than Mon- Montembeau. So, I mean, guys, we know our stuff.
1: Well, there you go. That's uh, th- These are players to watch out for. These are guys that are going to have to carry the load the rest of the way. 32 games left. It's going to be interesting to see, and I don't think it's going to be necessarily from the standpoint of, are the Habs going to be winning games? It's going to be individual um, development and production that's going to matter the most uh, carrying into the 2024-25 season, which is really weird to say because I feel like, you know, I feel like, like we were very far so, away from 2024-2025. Yeah, but true. anyway, um, let's uh, let's switch topics here, Liam. We've seen two of the bigger fish come off the board in Elias Lindholm and Sean Monahan, And we'll... We'll add in Kuzmenko there. I guess you can call him one of the bigger trade targets because he was clearly underperforming in Vancouver. Lindholm scores two goals in his debut for Vancouver. And Kuzmenko scores a goal in his debut for the Calgary Flames. So that was pretty cool to watch because, you know, environment is very, very important for players like this. And to see them both flourish early is is nice. And especially for Kuzmenko, because I feel like, you know, he had 70 plus points last, last year in Vancouver. You know, gets Rick. He's clearly not Rick Tockett's favorite player. Gets kind of you know th- thrown to the wolves on that third, fourth line role, um, relatively early this season. And now he scores a goal. He's playing on that top line with Huberto and Sharon Govich. So that's nice to see. You have any remarks about those two guys and their and and their respective teams right now?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, amazing debuts. Can't can't ask for anything more if you're a Flames or Canucks fan. And you know, maybe just looking at you know the positives that these guys will bring to the guys around them. Jonathan Huberto gets three points, looked a lot better. So, you know, maybe this unlocks their capability, their skill again. Kadri, very happy, very pumped up after that win against Boston. And Kuzmenko came off the ice and was like, okay, now it's time to make the playoffs. So, I mean, you got to be happy if you're, you're a Flames fan. You got a guy who wants to be there after, you know, hearing about all these guys who wanted to leave. So... Nice to see Kuzmenko. And then Elias Lindholm fitting in perfectly playing with Pedersen on the second line. So his fellow Swede. And he gets two pretty nice goals on the power play as well in his debut.
1: There you go. And um, on that topic, I think that despite being sellers at the deadline, and I think it's relatively obvious from Calgary's standpoint, I still have a weird feeling that they're going to make the playoffs. I do have a weird feeling about it. Now, they're they're not that far out of it. I think they might be four or five points out of the playoffs in, in that Western Conference, if you want to... Actually, yeah, I have yeah. that in front of me, so no no, no problem only there. Only three points. There you go. So three points out of a, a wild card spot in the West. And I just feel like they have a lot of guys that have a lot to prove, right? I mean, Huberto has clearly seen a dip in his career. I think he wants to turn it around and prove something. I think Kuzmenko has a lot to prove since being shipped from Vancouver. Kadri, same thing from after coming over. Um, from Colorado just a couple of years ago. They have young guys in Zari and Coronado. So I think that they have a lot to prove. And I think that guys like Hannafin, Chris Tanev and Markstrom, who are all considered trade bait right now, are trying to prove their worth on this Calgary team. And this might actually lead them to making that last wildcard spot and and maybe um, showing off what they what, what they have in store in the playoffs. So I think that that could be an interesting uh, an interesting avenue for a, we'll call it a team that, doesn't really that might not know necessarily their direction right now.
0: Yeah, I guess the next 10 to 15 games will decide where they go. And you know, to me, still, I was very high on the Flames before the season started. I still very much believe they have a very strong team on paper and are very capable of making the playoffs over a team like St. Louis, who lost basically like half their forward core in the last two years. So I, I don't think it's out of the picture yet that uh, to make the playoffs for the Calgary Flames.
1: Absolutely, and staying on a similar topic here. Now that Lindholm and Sean Monahan are off the board, and Kuzmenko put it that way, the next biggest guy up, in my opinion, I think we can both agree, is Noah Hannifin. Paired with his teammate Chris Tanev, these are two guys that I would say a move is imminent here. I think I think something's going to happen within the week. I think teams are trying to acquire Noah Hannifin. As soon as possible. Now he's carrying a $4.95 million cap hit and he becomes a UFA at the end of the season. Noah Hannafin is a younger player. I don't know his, uh, I'm going to pull it up here. His exact age.
0: Late. He's 27. Yeah.
1: But I really do think that any team that acquires Noah Hannafin, whether it's as a rent for a rental, or as or for a team that wants to re-sign him and wants him to be a part of their next 5-6 years of their of of their team build I think he's very very valuable and I think that any team that gets him is going to get a guy that logs a ton of minutes, a left-hand shot, he's 6-3, he has NHL experience and I think he has a lot of untapped offensive potential because in Calgary he's never really got that first power play role it's always Absolutely. been either Rasmus Anderson or Mackenzie Weger. so and even early in his career in Carolina he didn't get much uh much of that role either so I think that any team that gets him is going to get be really really lucky now my question to you Liam and I don't know if you have any off the top of your head but is there any team that you can see acquiring Noah Hannafin at the deadline this season before he becomes UFA
0: yeah I was just going to mention like Hannifin does have so much untapped potential, and there's just so much, so many teams that could go after. Obviously, they need to make the cap work, but he slots into any top four that that's looking to make a big playoff push. So, really, a lot of these teams. I'm just pulling them up right now, but obviously, we're hearing so much buzz around the Leafs trying to acquire him. But I feel like that's just because, you know, Sportsnet loves the Leafs, so they're always going to be talking about the least getting the big guy but you know I think Florida can acquire you know a shutdown d-man they're looking to make a big push so I think he'd fit in pretty well there and you know New York has had some the Rangers have been having some defensive issues so again be cool to see him go there but I think he really does slot into any any top four that that needs that top guy who can play that power play one role even though he hasn't in the past what about you yeah, I, I I could
1: see that. I think any contending team is absolutely, it makes sense to absolutely make a push. One team that I have in mind for Noah Hannafin, which might be a little bit, you know, a little bit of a different take, but it's the St. Louis Blues. I mean, sitting in that second wild card in the West right now, they have a very, very young core. And I feel like obviously they have Pareko and they have Tori Krug and they have Scott Perunovich and they have, you know, and then they have the likes of Nick Letty, who's a little bit older but to add a guy like Hannafin to their team when they haven't had someone like that since Petrangelo, a big defenseman who can can log some significant minutes, and look, if they do end up sneaking into the playoffs, right? Because that west is so wide open right now, then you're really getting a valuable player. And I don't see a reason why he wouldn't resign for for in Calgary, for example. Now, it's going to it's going to be interesting to see what trade would necessarily move the needle. And I'm not saying that that St. Louis is even particularly interested, but I'm saying that it, it could be something that works. But, you know, Jacob Varane is a guy that's been up and down with them uh, in Springfield, and then he goes back up to St. Louis and then back down. They have a few first-round picks after the trades that they made last season. So if he was a guy that maybe they saw as part of their future in this retool-slash-rebuild phase of uh, D- Doug Armstrong's tenure as GM with the St. Louis Blues, I think he could be a really interesting option for them in the short and longer term.
0: Yeah, actually, I like that take a lot. Um, In 10 games, if you see... Or let's say... Yeah, let's say in 10 games, because I I think the deadline is about 12 games away for pretty much the whole league, I'd say. Let's say the Flames win 7 of those 12 are 2-3 to points out of a playoff spot. Do you see them going all-in, as in trading all their guys who are on the board, like Tanev, like Hannafin? Or do you think they're going to do... I, I don't even know how to explain this, because I think they're going to trade them, but do you think it's going to be more of a retool or uh trade all these guys away for picks?
1: I, I personally think it would be more of a retool. I think that the Calgary Flames are in a, a very tricky state, because you go two years back... And this was a team that, on paper, had everything they needed to succeed and compete in this league for a cup run coming out of the West. Now, things have changed drastically. Lindholm's gone. Goudreau's gone. Matty Kachuk is gone. They've replaced that with Huberto, Weger, Kadri. It's a completely different landscape altogether. But the truth of the matter is, is that on paper and in their pipeline, I think that they have a lot of talent. Now, do they have any talent to take them to that next level? I don't know. So that's why I think it's tricky to say that if they're going to be doing a complete rebuild or just a retool. But I think that if they are, like you said, two to three points out of a playoff spot and competing to potentially take that second wild card spot in the West, I would say that trading Hannafin, Tanev, and Markstrom would be for the right price, and I know that sounds obvious, but I think it would almost have to be an overpayment for them to do it. Now it's tricky with a guy like Ta- uh, with uh, Hannafin excuse me, because personally, I don't know if he's going to resign in Calgary, regardless of what happens. So for them, it might be worth it to get rid of him, even though they're close to the playoffs, because if they're not going to get any assets for him, that would be a huge loss um, for 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 Calgary
0: yeah i mean teams still tend to overpay no matter what like i think they got the best best return possible for elias Lindholm. they get that roster guy who's a proven player and on top of that they got a first and two prospects so you know you get a bit of that retool kind of return and you get a that rebuild return as well so i'm very curious to see how he's valued and what the offers are and we'll see it very shortly in the next coming weeks but I mean, just flipping the page here, Sean Walker from the Philadelphia Flyers is expected to return a first-round pick, or the Flyers are expecting a first-round pick in return. This is a guy that logs, what, a bottom four role? If Noah Hannafin, or if Sean Walker is worth a first-round pick, I'd love to see how much Noah Hannafin is going for on this market.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be really, really interesting. I my my take is that he'll probably end up being traded because I don't think that Calgary wants to necessarily salvage their their retool slash rebuild just for one run where they maybe just squeak in, you know. So yeah. we'll see, we'll see. Um, it's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, and as we transition over here to another topic, we're just gonna take a quick second to shout out our sponsors at DraftKings. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl Fifty Eight. DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Guys, for the Super Bowl, the 49ers are facing off against the Chiefs. Mahomes versus Brock Purdy, and you have all the opportunities to get in on the big game and make and place a bet with the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58, with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming so- resources. So Liam, this next topic of conversation is something that I think that you will enjoy quite a bit. Now, looking up and down this trade debate board, there's a lot of interesting names, right? Obviously, two of the prominent names are off the board, but we talked about Hannafin. We talked about Tanev. We didn't talk much about Markstrom, but we'll see if he really does get moved or not. Tarasenko's on this list. Jake Allen's on this list. Jake Gensel is on this list. We'll see if Kyle Dubas can make a trade work and ship out Gensel for a realistic return. But I feel like he's, you know, the fact that he's even on the trade bait board to begin with is undervaluing what his capabilities, in my opinion. He's too the big one of a guy, fish.
0: You know, he's he's like too big of a fish. What the returns got to be immense.
1: You got, you would like to think. Yeah. But on TSN's trade bait board, there's one guy here. There's one guy. He's at number 40. Now I think he's way too low for one reason, because for the last two to three days, Liam, and maybe it's a, a Twitter influence, or maybe it's a social media influence but there's one thing that i'm feeling in my bones right now as a montreal canadians fan and don't call me biased because this is just my feeling whether it's by the trade deadline or whether it's by the summer so july around the around free agency when a lot of trades go down or around the draft i see trevor zegris being a montreal canadian
0: i do that is something I would absolutely love to see. He's on a bridge deal right now. And, you know, some news has come out in the last few days that trade talks with the Ducks over the offseason was really, really nasty. And I'm assuming he obviously wanted more, and they were clearly undervaluing him. Trevor Zekers is a 65-point player in two seasons in the NHL. Two to two and two and a half, whatever it was. This guy has an immense amount of talent, one of the more marketable guys in the NHL, you know, obviously gets a lot of hate because a lot of people say all he can do is Michigan, and I'm a huge fan of the Michigan. If you know me, big skill guy, love to, you know, do a couple Michigans on the ODR, you know, practice the skill moves. But if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, and I see Trevor Zegras is available for trade, not to mention Cole Caulfield's best friend, you got to go out and make a move for him. Because this is something you can't pass up on. Now, if we're talking potential return, the Canadians have acquired two picks for essentially nothing. Two first-round picks. One from the Calgary Flames for taking Sean Monahan, and one for trading him away. If I'm Kent Hughes and I'm in my office, I'm offering to the Ducks these two first-round picks with no hesitation. And I'm adding a prospect on top of that. Wow. Do you think? Do you think that's enough?
1: So the Montreal Canadiens' first round pick this season, like their own
0: first round pick. No, no, no. I'm f- saying, I'm saying, just the Jets and the Flames, and then a prospect on top of that.
1: Look, I think, I think it's in the realm of possibility. Would I do it? Yes, because Trevor Zekris is being hev- heavily undervalued right now. I mean. Look, I think it's going to depend on what happens with that Flames pick because there's obviously contingencies and we're still waiting on, you know, whether they're going to hold on to that pick for another year or give it up. But yeah, I think that's, I think that trade, I think making that move is absolutely in the realm of possibility. And I'll tell you why, Liam, and I don't think I need to convince you I'm preaching to the choir here, but Trevor Zegras was a ninth overall pick in 2019 and he was still undervalued at that point. He put up 18 points in 7 games in his second World Junior Championship. He absolutely destroyed that tournament in his in his World Junior season before his draft his draft year. He put up 9 assists strictly no goals in 5 games. I mean, this guy is incredibly talented. And yes, people want to harp on him for being strictly talent and no positional skill or, you know, no hockey IQ. But 61 and 65 points on a very very Bad Ducks team is no joke.
0: No so joke at all.
1: Give me give me Trevor Zegras and if we're buying him at his lowest right now, I think you know what? I don't even think two firsts and a prospect is going to be what it needs to get to get it done in Montreal uh for Montreal, excuse me. I think that that first round pick that they acquired from Winnipeg plus a few more assets whether it's, you know, an A an A to B uh, an A prospect and a B tier prospect or a B plus prospect, whatever you want to call it. I mean, look, I could see that move working because clearly Anaheim is fed up with Zgris And I think that they'll move him. I think that they're trying to, you know, play their cards properly because they don't want to get rid of a guy for a guy like Zigguris for absolutely nothing. But I think when push comes to shove, they'll absolutely get rid of him. So a ninth overall pick four years ago, and he's put up numbers like this is the perfect guy. To slot in on this Montreal Canadiens team, this young Montreal Canadiens forward core.
0: Once again, he fits into that age range, that twenty two to twenty-four-year-old group that's gonna come up and progress with these with his teammates and develop into you know a playoff contender. So let's uh let, let's bring Trevor home. We <laughs> <laughs> love to see it. You love to see it. And to pull it out. We'll,
1: uh, we'll we'll stay optimistic. We'll see. But like I said, I feel it in my bones. I feel a weird feeling that Kent Hughes is not going to just... Let's put it this way. And I want to hear what you have to say. I don't think that there is a chance. I think that there is a 0% chance that the Canadians use that Winnipeg pick in the draft. I don't think they use it.
0: It honestly reminds me of... Uh, what was the pick we traded to Colorado? It was... A late first that we got, correct. So this reminds me of this this situation or that situation. We're gonna, you know, try to make a move and get another roster player who's in that age range that, you know, is gonna be able to fit into this group perfectly, exactly like Alex Newhook was. So, you know, I, I'm gonna agree with you there. I, I don't think they're making this pick. And the Flames pick is next season. We'll see how that goes. We're kind of praying. There's so many conditions on it. That's a problem. Know. Is this Florida's pick? Is it Calgary's pick? I, I have no idea. But either way, we're going to pray that it's a high high draft pick. And, uh, you know, if we're able to move that pick as well, we could be in for a, a, a good return. But just going back quickly to why the Ducks will trade Trevor Zegers to the Montreal Canadiens is because they also have another top three pick that they're going to get this season, top four pick, on top of Cutter Goteh. Leo Carlson, Mason McTavish, Troy Terry, Trevor Zekers is just not fitting in there anymore. And it's time for them to move on and continue their rebuild.
1: I mean, the truth is, Liam, I I actually don't think it's time for them to move on. I just think that they think it's time to move on. And I I, I don't think that's the truth. I think that that they're going to be making a serious mistake. Because I think that any team that he goes to, and if he's insulated properly... Why can't he be a seventy? Or why can he be a point per game player? And at his very ceiling, why can't he be pushing a hundred points? Now that's at his very ceiling. We're talking about uh, hypotheticals here. But anyway, look if that's the if that's the um, the approach that the Ducks want to take, Pat Verbeek, he, you know that that might be that might be his approach. And if he wants to, if he thinks that Zgris isn't great for the culture, that's also one thing. You know, there's obviously so many so many hypotheticals and so many things that play in here but nonetheless i feel it in my bones look let's wait if it's not this deadline which i i don't think it will i think it would be a very very i think there's a very strong case to say that it could be a off-season move right around the yeah. draft so That's we'll great. be patient we'll be patient and uh let's hope that this uh montreal canadians top six looks significantly different um come the 2024 2025 season yeah but we'll leave no. that at that we'll yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, not just in terms of trades, but health as well.
1: Correct. Doc and Newhook back as well. And then things then things will start to be taking shape, especially with hopefully, hopefully a top five pick this coming season. But if the Canadians continue to win like they did a couple nights ago in Washington, we're going to have some serious problems. Now, obviously, Slavkovsky scoring two beautiful goals like that. I mean, I'll take that all day. But you know what the truth is, and we're not going to go into prospects here too too much, but more forwards are climbing the rankings of the uh, the draft rankings. And I'm not saying defensemen are slipping, but guys like Ivan Demidov and Caden Lindstrom are making cases for themselves. And Caden Lindstrom, Caden uh, Lindstrom, and sorry, Cole Iserman is just sitting there at the top. And Macklin Ce- and Macklin Celebrini is sitting there at the top too. So I mean, ideally the Habs get a forward in this draft. But if you're going to want a forward, you're going to be need to you're going to need to pick in that top five. So we'll wait and see. We're approaching the 30 minute mark there's only a, one more thing that I really wanted to talk about, Liam, and that's the upcoming schedule for the Canadians.
0: Yeah. Um, can get 30, right into that one.
1: 32 games left. Obviously, again, like I said, this is obviously a lost season in terms of, you know, making the playoffs or being competitive and largely in part due to injury and, you know, just uh, being a young core and not being able to withstand the, the brutality of, uh, the league of the NHL league, but, Liam, the Canadians have two – and we mentioned this last episode, but the Canadians have two games this weekend, two matinee games, both at 1 p.m. Saturday, Sunday. One against the – sorry, I have to pull it up. I know one's against Dallas. The other is against
0: – The Ducks on Tuesday. The Ducks.
1: But they play two this on the weekend.
0: Yeah. So we got Dallas on Saturday, St. Louis on Sunday.
1: Okay, St. Louis on Sunday. That's Then it. the Ducks on Tuesday. <clears throat> Then the Ducks on Tuesday, and then we'll be back um, after that, presumably.
0: Yeah. Well. So yeah, then we play the Rangers on Thursday. We'll say. Uh,
1: so we'll see. So either yeah. we'll, we'll either we'll, we'll 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 predict these next four games here. Yeah. Dallas. So yeah, we're, we're well. in Montreal for three games straight. Dallas, St. Louis, Anaheim, and then the and then we're on the road. I say we, the
0: Canadians, are on the road. We in... are. We are part <laughs> of the team. Without the fans, <laughs> there's no team.
1: Uh, a good. That's 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 actually good. That's but anyway.
0: Then we're on uh, the
1: road. And then the Canadians are on the road in New York. Um, Liam, where will the Canadians sit after this four-game stint? And what do you who, who do you, do you have any players in mind that uh, are going to overperform?
0: Well, on Saturday we will most <laughs> likely. No, I'm I'm gonna say the Canadians take the loss on Saturday. Sorry, but then I'll give the kids the win on Sunday. You know, I think it's it's probably a kids' game, right? The kids come out for the matinee games. So hopefully they the Canadians get one for the kids. Um so we'll go one on one.
1: Wait, but hold on, back up for a second. It's also what? Super Bowl Sunday, February eleventh. That's true. Let's predict that game too. Well who do you got do though?
0: Who League. do you got though? Like what are we what are we saying? Give me Patrick Mahomes. Uh yeah, I got the Chiefs. I got the Chiefs, man. I you know, I like Brock Purdy's story. I like the 49ers. They got they got so many weapons. CMC, IU, Debo, Kittle. O-line is great. Defense is great. But you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes.
1: You can't bet against Patty Mahomes. No. Come it's on. Patrick Mahomes, on. baby. I mean, seven AFC AFC uh championship games in seven seasons, two Super Bowl wins. He's
0: him. He's him.
1: The only Super Bowl loss bet. he's had is to Brady. So I, I think that he'll take the win and obviously that might not be America's choice, but because people really, yeah. really want to see Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift lose. And you know what? I I think I think every I think every sports fan much. can uh, do without yeah. that. But hey, I think that who's, I think that at the your, end of the day
0: Who's your performer of the game outside of Patrick Mahomes?
1: Who's my performer of the game?
0: That's a good question. Um can it
1: be on the Niners or it could be anywhere? Sure it could be anybody Anyone? anybody you want i think george kittles going to have a huge game i think george kittles going to have a huge game i think he's going to keep the minute i think he's going to i think he's going to go for two touchdowns in this game I and uh, over 100 receiving guy, yards
0: he's the guy that that's got to be you know the top player in order for the 49ers to get over that hump and finally win but you know i'm going to give Rashid rice some love here Ooh. i'm a am a big fan of Rashid so guys powerful. Liam knows football you know, I, I've been in fantasy two years now, three maybe three. <laughs> so all my knowledge couldn't name you a defensive player, but I can name you a lot of offensive <laughs> players. But uh, yeah, give me give me Rashi Rice for a big game. Obviously, Kelsey is gonna be there, but I feel like they're gonna play some tough defense against against him. They, Patrick Mahomes is going to Kelsey all day, and you know they say that every game, and he breaks out in the playoffs. But I think I think Rashi's got to be a factor in order for the Chiefs to win.
1: Fair enough. Well, that's well, that's our uh, Super Bowl segment. Yeah. Um, then then the Canadians. So you you said lost to Dallas, win against St. Louis, Anaheim, New York. What are what are those two games looking like for you?
0: So we got uh, another Tank Bowl against the Ducks. You know, hoping for a loss there, to be honest. But I think we're gonna win, and Trevor Zegers will be in appearance to see his team win. <laughs> and it's not the Ducks. So I got the halves winning against Anaheim on Tuesday and then against the Rangers, presuming, you know, we'll be recording on that day. I'm going to say, we'll probably come back to it, but I'm going to say they take the loss. And who's the goalie there? We've kind of didn't touch on that. Just or Quick. Quick's been hot.
1: Interesting, interesting take. I mean, look, uh, to me, it seems like Shesterkin's obviously still their starter. There's no doubt about that. But when a goalie's hot and you're still and you you know you're still fighting, not fighting for a playoff spot, but you're fighting for the seeding um, in the Eastern Conference. I don't think uh, New York's taking that very lightly, so they're riding the hot hand. But I wouldn't be surprised if Shesterkin's back in the net in, a, in the next game or two. Yeah. But uh, definitely interesting. Right. Your take? Um, I think a loss to Dallas makes a lot of sense. Dallas is obviously like pushing to be you know the top team in the West, so I'll take a loss to Dallas there. I think the Canadians lose to St. Louis. Um, you know, Damn, not not for weekend. the kids on Sunday. <laughs> but, uh, for the kids. but the truth is, is that I, I think that they're going to beat Anaheim and I think they're going to beat New York. I think uh, the Canadians have a decent track record against the New York Rangers and they're playing in, at Madison Square Garden. So, you know what? Give me the Canadians over Anaheim. Give me the Canadians over the Rangers. I think that they go uh, this week. I think they go 2-2 two two this
0: week. Okay. Okay. So we both got 2 and 2. Just different teams though. Win again. Just I feel like they always lose to Western Conference teams. I don't know why.
1: They have a hard time. And that's they why do. they might actually lose to Anaheim, but we'll see. At home though, different story. Yeah,
0: different story. Um performer of the week? Go ahead. You got You got first one this time. It's always been All
1: right, first. fine. 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 Um give me <laughs> hmm. Wow, this this roster is so thin. It hurts. It hurts. Zignac? You know what? You know what? I'm going to go generic. I don't care. Just give me... Just give You're me... right, Slavkovsky. He's just going to keep going. I think he's just going to keep going. I. You know what my prediction is, Liam? What is it? Four games this week. I think Slavkovsky finishes this week with four goals in four games. That's it. Ooh. That's my hot take, but I'm okay. going
0: for it. That's a take. That's That's a take. Love to see it happen. Last week, I said David Savard, and honestly, he had a great week. <laughs> He honestly <laughs> had a great week. <laughs> At the end of the game, he was balling. I saw a bit of the game. I had to miss a little bit. But David Savard had a good week. And I'm going to take that as I was correct, that David Savard <laughs> was the player of the week. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm going to go with uh, – I went defense last week. So I, I think you went uh, Allen, right? Or Monta. You went Allen last week.
1: I went with a goalie, but that goalie didn't even end up playing.
0: So Okay, so bad take, but I'm I'm gonna go with a forward. Um give me I don't wanna say Josh Anderson.
1: If you say Brandon Gignac, we're gonna have problems.
0: <laughs> he looked good. He actually looked good. Um you know, just give me the top line. I'm it's gonna be basic, but I'm not going for a singular player, I'm going for the top line, and I think they're gonna continue to produce. Like we said. How
1: many points? And, how many points combined for that top line through four games?
0: Um, I'm gonna say they all are point per game minimum.
1: So you're looking at like almost twelve points in uh in four games yeah, there.
0: Let's say let's say twelve plus let's say fourteen. Sorry, 14 four
1: points. four per four per yeah. Okay, yeah, it's four okay. games. It's
0: actually four games. Yeah. So let's say uh sixteen, let's say eighteen to twenty points. Eighteen. Jeez. 20. Well that's eighteen to twenty. Well, that's averaging over point per game. My God. Okay. We'll it's, see. Well, that's our, that's basically our whole team. So. <laughs> so,
1: 18 to 20 points for that first line. I have four goals in four games for your Ice two and two for the each of us. Different losses and wins come against different teams, but nonetheless, yeah. same record. Canadians are finding their way through this season. 32 games left. We'll get there some way or another. And give but, me a Liam, damn
0: primo game. I just want to see primo play.
1: I haven't even know I've had at enough this enough point. What are we doing three, with this three goalie rotation? Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. But uh Liam, I think I think we'll leave it at that for today. Yep. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure as per usual. That was episode 74. So we're climbing, guys. We're climbing. Thank you so much for listening as per usual. And uh we'll see you next week.